Well, hey, uh, make sure after the service, uh, if you see a graduate, just make sure you congratulate them. But uh, yeah, again, we're just excited to honor you guys um, and what God has in store for you next. And so, um, yeah, with that, we are um, concluding, uh, well, actually next week, we're concluding our series in the book of Acts, but kind of coming to near the end of the book. And I think it's awesome as we've been um, going through this story and going through the book of Acts, seeing and learning from these first Christians and how better to model their faith. And why we went through the book of Acts this year was because we really wanted to lay a good foundation as a church to model the faith of the first Christians and, and to grow in our walk with God through the good times and through the trials. And thinking about this past year, it was a wild <laughs> a couple years for us, right? Um, especially with a pandemic and all the different things that we had to experience in our world. Um, and it's wild thinking about this past year, even for us as a church, and all the things that I think God has taught us in this season. And for many different members of our staff team, it was, it was crazy moving to a new city, and, um, and there were, again, many great things that happened, but there were also personal challenges to, to getting here. Um, and even for our family personally, um, we 2018, we came down to Athens to visit, and we, we felt like God was calling us to start a church here in Athens. And again, there were many bumps along the way, and one of the biggest bumps came about a year ago from right now. Um, my wife and I, we were looking for houses here in Athens, and um, the housing market here in Athens is a little bit crazier than the average place. Um, not as many options as you would think, um, and, but we came across a home that we really liked, and we ended up moving into that home. Um, and when we were trying to close for our home, we ran into an issue. Um, we had it set that we would close and sign and get all the keys for our home uh, a month before our lease ended in Bowling Green. But there were some issues with the closing because the owner of the home had some filing issues, and so it pushed back our closing date till about a few days before our lease ended in Bowling Green. And so we had a date set, so we were just happy we had something. And so we were planning on going down to Athens um, from Bowling Green to sign everything over. But then I get a call. And I get a call from our realtor. And our realtor uh, was Natalie's mom, Lori. And, and uh, Lori is a wonderful woman of the Lord. She was really helpful. But she called and she said to me, Joe, I think you need to sit down. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> if you ever hear something like that, you know you better be prepared for something. And she said, um, I, I got a call from the other realtor of the, the homeowner, and it turns out the homeowner's having issues with the title company, and the homeowner no longer wants to sell the home. And we're like, what? I'm like, I'm like, Lori, don't you understand? Our lease ends in like two days. We've got to be out of this place. What, what are we going to do? And she was like, I don't know. And Lori's a strong woman of faith, and she said, I, I was praying for you this morning, and I felt like the Lord really encouraging me to pray over you, and now I know why, because of whatever is happening here. She's like, I've never seen this before. This is really crazy. And, um, and so in that moment, we felt discouraged, but in that moment, we also felt peace, knowing that, God, you called us to Athens. You called, called us to be a part of this church plan. We felt uh, a confidence that somehow God would bring us through the trial and the storm. And so um, that next day, because we had pretty much everything already packed, um, I told Sammy, hey, I think I want to go to a park and just spend some time with the Lord. And she was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Go do that. And on my way to the park, I get a call again from Lori, and she, I answered, and she said, hey, can you get to Athens right now? 
And I'm like, well, I'm in Bowling Green, so three and a half hours away. Uh, but yeah, what's going on? She said, well, we, me and the other realtor convinced the homeowner to finally move forward with closing. Um, and, but I'm afraid he's going to change his mind, so you need to come here right now. And so I called Sammy and said, hey, pack your stuff. We're going to Athens. And she was like, I just unpacked. And so I was like, dang, well, get, get your stuff together. We got to go um, get, get the little girl. And, and it all, you know, came together. But one thing we learned in that season and in, in the trial of that, what we learned is that if God is leading you to something, if God is calling you to something, all you can do is move forward. And this lesson is appropriate for our message this week in the book of Acts. And in chapter 27 of the book of Acts, we'll be following Paul's journey to Rome. And this week is really the fulfillment of Jesus' calling on the apostles that, that they would be his witnesses. And if you remember back in week one of this series in the book of Acts, we, we saw that Jesus says, said to his disciples that they would be his witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. And we saw this happen. We saw this happen as the church grew in Jerusalem and beyond, and then through Paul's missionary journeys that the gospel has expanded. And finally, we'll see it end in Rome, but it really isn't over. That's kind of the, the next step of the book of Acts. We are still, as Christians, in the book of Acts, expanding the mission of Jesus and fulfilling his mission to see, be witnesses to the ends of the earth. But to recap from the last few weeks, we saw Paul was on trial, and um, he was going through an appeals process um, in his trial because he wasn't feeling like he was getting the best trial in Jerusalem. He was in Jerusalem, he gets arrested, and he stands trial, and he stands on defense of the gospel. He did nothing wrong, but he felt like he wasn't getting the best trial he could, and so he appealed in order to go to Rome. To appeal, the, the word he used was appeal to Caesar, so that a higher court could hear what he has to say. And so in this chapter, he's traveling across the Mediterranean Sea and running into horrible weather to the point where they get lost and uh, the ship is wrecked. And so it's a very encouraging, interesting chapter because we get to see God's faithfulness and God's power in the lives of the people on board the ship. Now, when it comes to applying this passage, I think there's a few ways that people have tried to apply this text to their lives that are incorrect. Um, the first mistake people make is try to insert yourself into the story. And this happens in other parts of scriptures too. Um, the classic example is David and Goliath, where people will insert themselves into the story and say, well, I must be David, and then Goliath must be my problems, right? And then I got to figure out a way to conquer the giants in my life. And in this story in particular, people will say, well, I must be Paul, and the storms of life are my anxieties or trials that I'm going through. And if I just have enough faith we can get through it. Here's the thing. This is an inappropriate way to view and apply Scripture. We cannot look at Scripture through the lens of ourselves. It misses the point altogether. Newsflash, the Bible is not about you. It's not about you. You are not the hero. Jesus is the hero. The Bible is about a God who is faithful, who loves us, and who shows us his power. You aren't David. Goliath isn't your problems. You're not Paul. If anything, we might be the scared sailors in this story. We're definitely not Paul in this story. This is a story about God showing his power. Now, there's things that we can go through, which I shared my story, too, that can relate to this. 
But we can't be looking for allegories in this story to try to insert ourselves into it. There are things we can learn from it, but really we should be looking to Paul's example that in the good times and in the hard times that we serve a God that's faithful and will fulfill his promises. So that's the first incorrect way. The second incorrect way to apply this text is what's called um, following the prosperity gospel. Now, you may not know what that term prosperity gospel means, but maybe you've, I know you've probably seen it from TV preachers. And um, the heart, the, the basic point of the prosperity gospel is this, that God wants to give you your heart's desires, that he wants to give you um, pleasure in this life, money, lack of pain, healthy bodies, happiness, and any trial or experience you go through leads to ultimate comfort to come. And they'll take uh, Romans 8.28 out of context and say all things work together for good. And so they'll say, hey, whatever you're going through, it's probably leading to something good that'll happen in this life. Well, this is a false gospel. And it's false in a number of ways. Number one, it misses the realities that we live in a broken world. That we live in a broken world and we experience pain and suffering. And it's a part of this life. And, and there's no way to escape that reality. Now, there are blessings that we receive, and that's great, but we're not entitled to those things. Those are things that, again, that we should be happy if we receive, but that's ultimately not the hope we as Christians should be looking for. This also completely misses the message of the context of the passage and also misses the heart of Paul. You know, some pastors might say, man, Paul is going through a storm, and he had faith, and he got through it. Man, if you have faith, you can get through whatever storm you're going through. But going back to the context, what happened to Paul after he got to Rome? Well, when he got to Rome, he, you know, shared the gospel, the church expanded in Rome. But a few years later, he was actually executed by Nero. And we know this from history. And so the question is, did Paul forget this message? that he learned on the ship, if that was true, did he not have enough faith to get through that? No, that's not true. God had a greater purpose in mind why he led him through this journey, and his faith never changed, even with more trials to come. In fact, this also just misses the whole overall message of the Apostle Paul, too. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul shares about the trials he's going through as he's in prison, and he's writing his church to the Philippians, talking about the suffering he's going through, but he talks about how the gospel has advanced even through that suffering. And he says in verse 19 of Philippians 1, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, when you hear that and when you read that, oh, he's talking about my deliverance, you think, oh, he's going to be set free from prison. But that's actually not where he goes. If you keep reading, he says, um, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He continues and says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And so what Paul is saying is this, I'd rather be with Christ and I'd rather go um, to the blessing that comes in the next life, but I'm here for you. You're stuck with me. I'm stuck with you, that is, is what he basically is saying. And in verse 25, he says, I'm convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. And so Paul's deliverance is not an earthly deliverance. He's looking to an eternal deliverance, an eternal deliverance salvation. 
and eternal glory that we can experience as Christians. We know this from Romans 8. Paul talks about how we as children of God, we must suffer with Christ in order that we may also be glorified with him. And he says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worth in comparison to the glory revealed to us. So it's not just a bigger bank account. It's not just those things that some of these prosperity people say. There's a greater hope and a greater joy that we can experience through Christ. So take that, Joel Osteen. Just kidding. <laughs> I like Joel. He's a nice guy. He seems nice, but he's wrong most of the time. Uh, so um, being honest, we're at church. It's great. Um, so yeah, so we should not view that pass- the passage in that way. How- now, how do we apply this passage? How do we look to this and so there's a couple things I've written down, and you can follow along with me. They're not on the screen, but a couple things, ways we can apply this passage. Number one, we should view this event as a historical event where God showed his power, where God showed his power. Two, we should, this, this passage should show us God's glory and help us to seek his greater purposes. So we see God's glory, and we should seek his purposes in our life. Three, number three, this should encourage us to, uh, to, to look to the story and encourage our faith. And then four, we should seek to model our faith and example um, after Paul's example and really follow God in the good times and in the hard times. Paul's heart posture did not change. And then also, too, God, God will accomplish his purpose. In the bigger picture, God is going to make all things together for good. He is going to accomplish his purpose. The journey of life will be rough, but we need to trust him. And so today, we need to trust that we serve a big God who loves us, who's powerful, and he will accomplish his greater purposes. But, but we need to follow Paul's example in the good times and the hard times to have great faith. And so these are some of the things that we can learn from today. And so as we dive in, if you want to flip open to Acts 27, we'll see as we read this story about this journey, how Paul modeled a life serving Jesus and trusting in Jesus and really leading others to Jesus as well. And so in verse 1 of chapter 27, this will be on the screen. It says this, And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy... They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of Augustan cohort named Julius. And so we'll pause there. And so Paul has, has a, a soldier that's overseeing him, a centurion named Julius. And as they're embarking on the, this journey on this boat, um, the soldier, uh, the passage talks about how he treats Paul very kindly. And um, Paul's able to spend time with his friends. We know that uh, Luke was actually here with Paul, because Luke writes the book of Acts. So many times in this passage, it'll say we and us, because we know um, Luke was there with Paul on this trip. And so along the way, there, there, there becomes a trial that comes, and Paul shares some wisdom. And in verse 9, it says this, Since much time had passed, the voyage was now dangerous, because even the fast, that is, the fast was the Jewish Day of Atonement, so this would have been later, in the year, so it had been about October, November, so rough times um, were on the, sh- on the sea, that is, and it continuing, um, was already over, and Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only to the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship more than what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter, the majority decided to put out 
to sea from there, and the chance that somehow they would reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest, northwest, and spend the winter there. And so it seems like everybody on the ship really wanted to move along. You know, the owner was probably thinking, man, a ship just in harbor isn't going to make any money for us. Um, probably the sailors were like, I, I just, we just want to get home. But Paul is like, this is dangerous. And I don't know, as I was thinking about it, I don't know if you've ever taken a journey or a trip that was a little bit risky, a little dangerous, and maybe you went on the trip just thinking, let's just risk it. And maybe along the way you felt like, oh man, maybe this wasn't as good of an idea. You know, for, for me, actually, my in-laws are here, so I like sharing this whenever my father-in-law comes to see me preach. But um, we, we were over their house a couple years ago watching um, the Cavs in the playoffs, and the game ended really, really late. Like, I think 1 o'clock was when the game ended. And I wanted to drive back. We were um, in Cleveland with them, and we w- I wanted to drive back to Bowling Green. And my father-in-law, who's very wise, was like, no, Joe, you shouldn't. You should just stay here. Don't risk it. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. You're going to be tired. And I was like, no, we're going to do it. It's only a two-hour drive. Let's, let's make it happen. And so about 40 minutes in, I start, like, dozing off as I'm driving, and it was, like, pretty rough. And I was like, oh, man, I should have listened to Bill. What was I thinking? Um, And I turn over to Sammy, and she's, like, as soon as we got in the car, she fell asleep. And so I kind of pulled over, and she woke up, and and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm, like, starting to fall asleep. I need to nap for a little bit so we can go the rest of the way. And Sammy was like, oh, well, I can drive. I can take a little nap, so we're good to go. And so we switched spots, and I, laid, I went on the seat, laid back. I blinked, and we were already home. <laughs> so, and I was like, what happened? She was like, well, you passed out. And I was like, literally, just felt like I blinked, and that was it. And, uh, and so that's a story I like to share because I think it's important to listen to wise people in your life. And Paul uh, was a wise person. And so these people should have listened to Paul's discernment as, as he was, one, hearing from God, but also just understanding the wisdom that he had. And so um, through that, because I didn't listen to Paul, the storm comes. And so verse 13 says this, now, when the south wind blew gently, supposed, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along to creek uh, close to the shore. But soon, uh, a temperous wind called the nor- northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave away a to it and were driven along. And so... Uh, they started to experience some challenges here, and the wind started to take them. And, and what the passage end up, ends up talking about is they end up getting rid of their cargo and then getting rid of the rigging as well. So they were just really going along with the wind and were drifting and starting to get lost. And in verse 20, it says, And when neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of being saved was at last abandoned. So they were stuck. They were stuck in the middle of the sea. They had no way out and and no hope. But through this, Paul encourages these men and points them to Christ. And in verse 21, he says this, Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. Well, Paul's really nice, right? You should have listened to me. (laughs) Um, And have not set sail from, uh, from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. 
For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that I will be, it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. And so Paul shares that, that God spoke to him, that God sent an angel to speak to Paul and encourage him and say, you're going to make it. You're going to make it through this. You're going to lose the ship, but no life will be lost. And I'm sure the, the men hearing this were just like, yeah, yeah, no way. We're not getting out of this. Not a chance. But through this hopelessness, God shows his power. And when uh, the 14th night came, they found land. They came across land. But it was still night, and they, they dropped anchors, and it, hoping for daylight because they couldn't see anything. And some wanted to get out of the ship. Some wanted to say, hey, finally we found land. Let's get out, even though it's a crazy storm right now. In verse 31, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So, so then Paul sees that this is, this is not wise, this isn't good, they need to stay in the ship. And so and they, they now listen to him. In verse 33 it says, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to be perish from the head of any of you. And when he said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. And then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. And so they were saving food because they, they didn't know how long the journey would take. And then Paul encouraged them and said, eat food. We're going to make it. We're going to be okay. God has brought salvation. Then from there, the daylight came. And then the ship, ship crashed into a reef, and everyone abandoned the ship. And then verse 22, it says, The sailors' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump aboard first and make it for land, and the rest on planks or pieces of the ship, um, and, and they were brought to land safely. And so they made their way to an island. Um, they found out it was Malta, which is wild. It's a small little island in the middle of the Mediterranean. The odds of landing in that place were just so drastic, so crazy, that they were able to land safely. But this was a, an opportunity for the, all the people of the ship to see the, the God of Paul was the God that they should be serving and, and listening to because he is the one true God who really controls the wind and the sea. And so they arrive in Malta, which is just a little bit off of the coast of Sicily. And, um, and while they're there, they, they really meet uh, some great locals who show a lot of hospitality to them. Um, and through that, Paul is gathering some sticks for fire, and he gets bit by a snake. And so he gets bit by a viper, um, a very poisonous snake in that region. And um, the native people, when they saw this in verse 4 of uh, chapter 28, it says, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has now allowed him to has not, not allowed him to live. 
And so these people really were superstitious people. They believed in a karma, as it were, and so they, they, they believed, man, this, this man must not be a good guy, and so he couldn't escape the sea. Now he's about to die. And in verse 5, it said, he, he, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. And they were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come upon him, they changed their minds and said, he must be a god. So they, they shifted from he's going to die because he's a bad guy to now he's a god. That's a really big shift. And so as, as they're in this little um, island village, they begin to really minister to the people. And, and the gospel begins to advance and, and one of the other ways the gospel advanced was in verse 8. It said that it happened that the father of Pebulus, who was, who was the chief of the region, he was laying sick with a fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed. And putting his hands on him, he healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases came and were cured. And they, the, the men, were honored greatly. And when we were about to set sail, they gave us everything we needed. So God's power showed on this island. And as they left and were heading towards Rome, they were given everything they needed. And in fact, if you, still, if you visit this island of Malta today, they still have monuments and, and things honoring Paul as he came to this island and this journey because it's such a, a critical part of their history. And so from this point on, Paul makes his way to Rome. And we'll see next week, as we, as we close our series in the book of Acts, um, how Paul shares the gospel in Rome, how the, how the gospel begins to take form in advance, and how, again, we are continuing to be a part of that legacy of the gospel advancing. And so as, we're, as we close today, and as we listen to this story, it was a lot of reading, my apologies there, but I, I, I think it's important to be encouraged by what God has done in history and continues to do in our church. And as I was thinking about many of you that are going home for the summer, I was thinking of a way just to challenge us to model Paul's example. And there's a couple ways to do that. Number one, we need to model our lives on prayer and God's word. You need to be a person of prayer. Just like Paul, when he went through this trial and the storm, he, he spent time in prayer. He spent time before God and he allowed God to speak to him. And I would encourage you to be a person that lives your life daily in prayer, allowing God's word and God's truth to fill you. And then through that, too, we need to point others to Christ. We need to let other people know about what God has done in our lives and then have people fill your time and encourage you in Christ as well. Put, put wise people around you. Along with that, too, we need to live a life of radical faith, knowing that we serve a God of power and, and, and wants to show his power in the good times and in the hard times. And so the question is this, do you trust in God's power? Do you trust him in the good times and in the hard times? Listen, the destination is not as important as our hearts, our heart posture. And so if you're not a Christian, know this, that you can go through life not alone. You can go through life with the God who made you and loves you. And maybe today's a chance to receive his, his plan for your life. And to the Christian, do you trust in God's power in the good times and in the hard times that he will accomplish his purpose? These are the things we need to be asking ourselves today. And as we, as we pray, we, we hope this story encourages you 
to seek after the God who made you and loves you and wants a relationship with you. And so as we worship, remember these things and remember this story, and, and we'll pray and seek and worship the Lord. And so with that, um, why don't you pray with me? Lord, we, we're so excited just to be here and to hear this story. We pray, Jesus, that you would continue to speak to us through stories like this. Thank you that even though our series on the book of Acts is coming to an end here, that the, the book of Acts really is not over, that we're a part of this story of you bringing about your, your plan and your blessing to our lives. And so, Lord, we pray we would have great faith that we'd be people of prayer and that we would seek you every step of the way. And so, Lord, meet us in this place. Grow us in our love for you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for the chance um, to continue to be encouraged by what you're doing in this church, um, in our lives, in every area of our life. And so we pray all this in your name. Amen.